For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, heaters. Welcome to the latest episode of Half Street High Heat presented by Manscaped. Thank you as always for joining us. We appreciate each and every one of you lovely people. I am Amanda and I'm joined as always by my gumptious co-hosts, Nick and Ryan. Please make sure you follow us on Twitter at our individual accounts and make sure you find the show there at Half Street High Heat for all the latest news, announcements, outtakes from the podcast and lots more. And don't forget to check out the website, halfstreethighheat.com for all the latest articles, um, show, series previews, series wrap-ups, um, analysis, great stuff always out at the website. How are you guys doing? Gumptious. Uh, I think you meant to say scrumptious. <laughs> that would have been a good one. A little awkward. Yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> no, gumptious is perfect, actually. Gumptious is, you know, like full of gumption, full of gumption, enterprising, assertive, gumptious. I mean, trailblazers. Trailblazers, for sure. Trendsetters. <laughs> All of the above. Yep. So how you guys been? We talked, what, three days ago. Uh, the Mets, the, the Nats swept a series since then. You guys talked three days ago. I was not here. Yes. You were uh, taking a much deserved celebration evening. You should tell our listeners why you weren't with us last time. So my 14U team absolutely played terribly, terribly. Just horribly. I hope they don't listen to the podcast. Don't listen. <laughs> the worst baseball I've ever seen played on Saturday. But luckily, Saturday was just seeding. It wasn't any elimination games. So we played three of the worst games of our lives. And I guess you could say we tanked for the, the eight seed. And then we went on a magical run. The most magical run I've ever seen. More magical than the 2019 Nets? More magical than the 2019 Nets because we are wow. a 14U team having <laughs> no business beating 16U teams. But we did just that and we won the whole freaking tournament and it was completely night and day. So... I took the night off, went and celebrated. I was, I, I'm the greatest coach alive. There's Speaking just, of tanked. There's, a... <laughs> there, there's just no two ways around it. I, you know, no one can come back from that. This is a better comeback than 1931. It's a better run than the 2019 world series. I'm, I'm the greatest, co greatest coach alive. Wow. I should have added somehow modest to my list of adjectives to describe you. <laughs> Oh, well, that's I, awesome. I just, Congratulations. I was, just, I was reading the uh, the summary of the weekend. That wasn't actually my words. It was other ah. people's words that I was just repeating. Oh, I see. Am I a hero? I can't say, but yes. 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 <laughs> well, congratulations. That's fantastic. The kids must be absolutely thrilled. That's super fun. Also, I can't, I'm still going to take most of the credit, but we did get new jerseys on Sunday. Magical jerseys? Apparently. And it was funny because I, when I saw them, I was like, oh, those jerseys are ugly. 
and we haven't we played again on Tuesday and we didn't lose Tuesday. We beat a pretty good team Tuesday, four to two. So, or I guess that would be yesterday. Oh, you're listening to this at Thursday, so yeah, Tuesday. So we are now four and zero in those jerseys. So we may never wear another jersey again. <laughs> I mean, at least not until you lose. Why would you stop doing what works? The, yeah, we're, the superstition is officially yeah. on. I mean, you may not be superstitious, but you're a little stitious. Oh no, no, I am superstitious at this point because <laughs> whatever is working, it's working well. So well, that is fantastic, Ryan. How's your week been? Well, my good friend, um, Nick, won the championships. My week's been absolutely fantastic. Um, and as the 2019 Nats know, when you're hot in the jersey, you don't stop wearing it. So keep riding those. But just make sure no one can purchase it. If you can, once, you're, once you win it all, make sure no one can get that jersey, especially not for Christmas when I was right. willing to buy any damn thing with a d- curly W on it. Real ones that. like me already had the Navy jersey well, well before the playoff run. I got that in like mid-season because I'm real. All the I fake have fans the Rendon. I have the Rendon Navy jersey, but I wanted yeah. the ones that they were wearing for the World Series. I That's will, just really unfortunate. I will <laughs> add that this, you know... Our season ends the end of July. Um, This is actually my last season with this current iteration of this team. So unlike the Nats, I know when to get out and when to sell. And I'm on to the rebuild phase with my my 13U team that I will take over next year. Well, we'll we'll talk more about that when we get to the have we turned a corner part of our (laughs) podcast. But um, I think we know Nick's answer. Yeah. But before we do that, let's do the quick pitch. Um, our quick pitch tonight is, are we going to see a huge increase in pitcher injuries? Um, we talk, Everybody saw what happened with Glass now this week, I'm sure. For those of you who didn't, he got injured and very, I mean, it, refreshingly honest, blamed it on trying to pitch without the sticky stuff he was used to using. So are we going to see a, a big increase in pitcher injuries as they start enforcing the, the rules on that? This is really interesting um so a lot of pitchers are going to realize that they don't throw 100 miles per hour because the spider tax stuff allowed pitchers to go full force all the time now they're going to realize that they have to take a little bit off and if guys are gripping it as hard as glass now has to had to maybe i don't think this is going to be the reason why we see a rise in pitchers injuries we are going to see a rise in pitchers injuries very shortly as we kind of already are with shane bieber jacob Degrom left to start tonight with an injury but that's because the fact that we're at 60 games right now this is how long the season was last year most of the guys well sorry we're already past 60 games all these guys are done pitching now there's a lot more innings and it's it's going to take a stress on guys' arms, and we are going to see a, right, a rise in injuries, but it's going to be because the extra 100 games everyone is playing, not because the ban of substance. You don't think it has anything to do with it? No. <laughs> Interesting. Um, I do, and it, it. I mean, it's, it is just like everything on this podcast, for the most part, an educated guess. Um and I'm coming from, I use sunscreen and rosin when I pitch. I, you know, I'm in a men's league and nobody cares if you use pine tar. Nobody cares if you use steroids or HGH. It's just the way it goes. So I use sunscreen and rosin when I pitch and it's really good. <laughs> it works really, really well. Like you can, you know, tell the difference in just your grip 
you know, when you have a, just a little bit more, is friction the right word? I just more of a grip like the the sticky stuff helps when you get into spider tack and all that stuff and we you saw some videos uh go viral in the past couple days since the the memo came out of people actually using spider tack and showing you what it looks like and that stuff is insane but uh you know to to ryan's point the tyler glassnow stuff was or maybe it's amanda's point but what tyler glassnow said was so spot on and he admitted, he's like, I use sunscreen and rosin. That's his, you know, choice of sticky stuff. And the common misconception is where a spider tag does greatly, you know, improve your RPM and is super sticky. Sunscreen and rosin doesn't quite have that effect, but it does, you know, improve your grip. So, and it's also two legal substances. It's not like you have to you know, go to a, a secret guy to get this concoction made up like some guys have done with spider tech in iterations of that. Sunscreen and rosin are two legal substances that are in MLB games. And, you know, you can do it by accident. It's not even like having to purposely like mix it together. If you have sunscreen on and you, you know, put rosin on your hand, which they have on every MLB mound, you can have sticky stuff on your hand without even you know, intentionally doing that. So my, this is a long winded way of saying that every pitcher has done it. Every pitcher does it, especially at that level, you need to be at such a high level to not only be successful in the MLB, but just stay in the MLB. Think of all the young guys just trying to, you know, make their way up. Think of the the vets trying to stick on the roster. Think of like all those fringe guys for one reason or another, they're going to do everything they can. And because they've been using it for so long and it's been maybe not accepted, but so commonplace because nobody's done anything about it. It has been accepted. It's been accepted by the league. It's been accepted by everyone. Right. But because it's been so, you know, widely used for so long, there hasn't been a need to learn how to use, you know, how to pitch pitch without without it. Without it. So that's when you get the overcomplication. It's not just like, you know, if, for anyone who hasn't pitched or hasn't played baseball, they're like, oh, well, what's the difference? There's a huge difference because, you know, when you don't have that grip on the ball, obviously your command goes out the door immediately, but you start overcompensating. And that's, you know, what Tyler Glass now is alluding to. He's saying he thinks not having that grip on the ball contributed to his injury, not because like he wasn't using the sticky stuff, but because he wasn't trained, you know, he didn't have his mechanics down to pitch without it. So he was having to strain his body more. Ryan alluded to Jacob deGrom. We don't know if that's related or not, but, you know, you see guys mess up their mechanics because they didn't get an, a whole offseason to train with without using sticky stuff. It literally went from one start using it to the next start not using it because yeah. now all of a sudden now you have to miss 10 games. For, for even if there's anything that looks like sticky stuff, whether it's sticky or not, Trevor Bauer, for how insufferable he is, made a phenomenal point. Sweat, if you sweat enough and have rosin, it's sticky. So you can that can be you know perceived as sticky stuff to umpires who, by the way, are not trained to identify sticky stuff unless it's egregious like you know we've seen some of the pine tar incidents over the years. But this is all just such an overcorrection for MLB's, you know, 
like just lack of enforcement and you know all the the verbs you can use to to describe their incompetence over the years yes like there there needs to be something in place to um monitor spider tech and stuff like that because that stuff really does make a difference in terms of how effective pitches can be but something like sunscreen rosa I'm, i'm fully in the camp of it helps your grip without giving you too much of an advantage you know more control means you're going to throw more strikes and if you throw more strikes that's more pitches to hit so it shouldn't necessarily you know decrease offense that much but again long-winded is saying long-winded way of saying i think it will increase pitchers injuries because they're not going to really know how to pitch without it right now yeah. And I think it's a really good point that you're not talking about something that people have been doing for a year or two years. Like this has been in the game, especially the sunscreen and rosin thing for decades. Yeah. Like this is every, these guys who are in the major leagues now have never had to pitch without it. And the middle of a season is not the time to do this. I'm all for getting rid of the really performance enhancing kind of substances mm-hmm. that are being used. I, you know, cheating is cheating and that, that stuff needs to be policed, but also you've gone from, it's been going on. What was it? Was it real Muto a few years ago who literally had a ball stick to his yachty is yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't remember who it was, but yeah, I mean that happened and everybody made a joke about it. Everybody knew what it meant. Everybody did. The league did nothing. The league said nothing. You watch pitchers go to their, their spot on their belt or their cap or whatever it is. Every single pitch, we watch it every single day and they've never done a thing about it. And now all of a sudden, they're going to just say mid season that everybody needs to change. I mean, it's a, it's a recipe for injuries. And I, if people need to, if all the pitchers feel like they need sunscreen and rosin to control their, to have a good grip on the ball, then change the freaking ball so that it's easier to grip. Like yeah. it, that's the thing. And did you guys, I wanted to ask you if you had seen Jerry Blevins's um, rant, he went on on Twitter I have not. I it saw was, Scott Boris's statement, which I really liked, but I didn't see the Jerry Blevins. So thing. it's not real long. I'm going to read it real quick in case our, our listeners haven't haven't seen it. But um, Blevins, I'm sure you guys remember, uh, he was an at longtime Met, um, been uh, bounced around the league a lot. Um, he retired recently, lefty reliever, and this is what he said: Pitchers used sunscreen and rosin every day, myself included, for control of the baseball. Other pitchers used foreign substances to enhance the spin rate. The old give an inch, take a mile. It went too far, and this is why we can't have nice things. The baseball itself is the real issue for me. Every baseball that enters the game is different than the previous one. Sometimes it feels good in your hand. Oftentimes, though, it feels like a dusty cue ball. Mm -hmm. Sunscreen and Robson made the slippery baseballs feel like the good ones. I imagine there will be a lot of baseballs thrown out by the pitcher now because he can't fix it by rubbing off the dust as well. Think about a basketball player wiping the dust off their shoes on the slipknot mat before stepping on the floor. Sunscreen and rosin was the slipknot for pitchers. Now imagine if you stepped onto a super sticky mat and now you can run harder knowing you can plant your foot and cut on a dime with the added tack. Hitters were cool with added control because it's better for them too, knowing you're not going to lose one up and in. But when it started being about spin, it got way more one-sided. If you can't control the baseball throwing at max effort, you're overthrowing. Take it back a notch and throw it where you know where the baseball is going. Pitching is just as much of a finesse skill as it is a strength skill. If you aren't good enough at one half of the equation, get better. MLB needs to make a baseball that is consistent with grip and you wouldn't have to worry about any of it. Pitchers have to make the adjustment now and learn to pitch with just the rosin bag and rant. Yeah. And that's absolutely right. He he makes a lot of good points. And if you're of the mindset, they shouldn't be able to use anything. Well, I mean, hitters use pine tar for grip, 
for you know so they can hang on to the bat that's literally the point of pine tar but if you're of the point or of the opinion that pitchers shouldn't use anything that's fine but doing it mid well you know in the middle of a season and like on the drop of a hat without giving pitchers any time to adjust is just a recipe for disaster I think so the answer to the question again, long-winded, but yes, I think we're going to see a big increase in pitcher injuries. And I wonder if some of the pitcher injuries we're seeing already are at least partially a result of them trying to get ahead of Monday's enforcement. Probably starting. So, all right, Uh, let's go on to Ryan's week in review, mid week in review, I should say. Yes. The absolute mid week review, but it's not mid. It's a good week review. The memo is now official and has been sent to all MLB teams. Players caught using foreign substance of any type will be ejected and suspended 10 games with pay. They'll get a free vacation. These include rosin, sunscreen, and spider tack as well. Umpires will be the ones making the call. And if a manager asks to check out, check out a pitcher and the umpire thinks they're doing so in bad faith, they can eject the coach for asking, and they could be open for punishment. Each team will have baseballs checked before games. As we've discussed, many players, current and former, are speaking out against the concern the issues will cause. Tyler Glasson has a UCL injury, and he's awaiting results if he will need Tommy John surgery. Many players are saying the issue is the balls themselves. It will be his doctor so much that they could not grit the balls and they had to use substances. Many players have also said that their former teams taught them and encouraged them to use the substances that have been banned. To the east, in fifth place are the 29 and 39 Marlins. They got swept by the Cardinals and they are not very good offensively. Pitching-wise, they're fine. Their pitching's dominant. They score three runs in three games. Um, fourth place are the 30 and 35 nationals who sweat the pirates, but more coming up about them as for now in third place are the 30 and 34 Braves. They dropped the first two against the Red Sox and they currently just took the lead in game three. They had another pitcher in Tucker Davidson get hurt. So they called out prospect Kyle Muller to help get a spark to the pitching staff that's struggling immensely up next for them. The Cardinals in second place are the Phillies. They dropped the first two against the Dodgers and are trying to avoid the sweep. For now, West Coast trips are where you find out what the team is really made of, and the Phillies are struggling mightily. More hits come their way as Gene Segura has a uh, grade one groin stream, and Bryce Harper left the game with back tightness as well. Up next for them, they head to the Bay and play the Giants. Up um, In first place, RD30. Sorry, I didn't write the record down. I don't know what the Mets record is. Oh, well, that's okay, guys. Um, Are the Mets. They took the first two games, and they are currently beating them again in the third game, and they're going to look to go for a four-game sweep tomorrow in the series finale. They're one of the hottest teams in baseball right now, and they're getting healthier. Jacob DeGrom did leave after three innings, striking out eight of the nine batters he faced while injured. The guy's unreal. More on the Mets in a minute. This has been your week in review brought to you in part by your local neighborhood Chili's. Join Chili's Rewards to get free chips and salsa with every order. That's right. Free chips and salsa with every single order. This has been your week in review. 34 and 25. I, I, I knew there were nine games over 500, but I couldn't remember if it was five or six with the 35, 26, whatever. So I would just like to give a moment to give a woohoo. We're not the worst anymore <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now for it now. took first first it took the marlins to lose eight straight games to pass the nats and then the nats went back to last place for a while but we're now in fourth place 
And and if the Braves lose tonight, the Nats can be tied for third. God bless the worst division in baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank goodness. Remember the beginning of the season and everybody was like, Deanna Lee's just the toughest division in baseball. Wow. Yeah, I was I would tweet it out on the Half Street High Heat account. Like the second place Phillies would be in last place in just about every other division in baseball. And they're in second place and then at least, which is really funny. It is indeed. Yeah, so um, the Nats are on a little bit of a hot streak, four-game winning streak. Um, they swept the Pirates, which is exactly what we said when we talked uh, three days ago that they needed to do, and they did it, which is great. We'll see what happens against the Mets, but, you know, have we have we turned a corner is the question, and I think it's hard to say that when it's just the Pirates, but there, there are some good things going on. There are, yeah. Yeah. Um... Most importantly, the starting pitching right now is on a fantastic hot streak. Um, In their last 12 starts, they have a 1.19 ERA, which is absolutely fantastic. Um, The issue with that, though, they're only averaging 3.5 runs per game. They're 7-5 and in the last 12 with the starting pitching being that dominant. That needs to change. Has this team turned the corner? They're 12-21 and against teams above 500. Um. As of right now, you, you don't really know. Like, they're playing much better. They they took advantage of the worst team in baseball, which we said they needed to do, and thank God they did because the Mets just really aren't losing right now. Um, so it's hard to say. They are for sure playing better, but we won't know if they've turned the corner until after this Mets series when we find out a lot more about this team. Yeah, uh, it's just too early to tell for me. Um, I'm still out on the season. It would take, you know, an insane stretch similar to, and I hate comparisons, similar to, 2019. Similar, similar to 2019 to get me back into it, but I'm out right now. You, you're not going to get any gold stars or medals or praise from me for doing what you're supposed to do. This is the first time all season the Nats have done what they're supposed to do how many times have we sat here on this podcast saying they need to do this this weekend they need to do this over the next couple of games i feel like we've said it almost every episode especially every like every thursday episode and this is the first time they've done it so you know i'm not going to get all excited and get my hopes up when they took advantage of the worst team in baseball and they did what they were supposed to do sweep the mets or take it's a four game series against Mets, right? Cause there's a double header. Yeah. 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 So if you, if you sweep the Mets or take three or four of the Mets, all right, now you've got my attention. I'm not back in, but you've got my attention because of obviously the Mets being first in the, uh, in the division. That's a huge swing within our own division. If we can pull something off like that, we have a great, you know, hot streak with our starting pitching. So we can ride that we're avoiding both the Grom and Stroman in the Met series, which we'll get to in a little bit. So I don't want to jump the gun, but you, you know, you have the opportunity to keep this going. So do what you need to do. And if you continue doing that, and if you do that enough, then we can talk about, you know, turning a corner and being back in contention seriously. But for now, no, I just think it's, you know, we're better than the pirates. Thankfully, Right. But that's really what it comes down to. An extremely low bar. Yeah. The 1.190 RA over the last 12 for the starters. Also 2.1 for the bullpen over that same stretch. So really dominant pitching. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the pitching. And they're only more. seven and five in that span. I know. Is, well, yeah. the offense, God. of course. And <laughs> I know. So annoying. 
So um, I wanted to talk about a few of the positives that are going on. Schwarber in the leadoff spot, surprisingly, um, seems to be finding a little bit of the power that we expected when they signed him and haven't really seen. Yeah. Um, so after his first two games, he had three hits. All three of them were home runs. He was seeing pitches, but in his last week, he's hitting 304, 370, 826 slugging. He's got four home runs, eight RBIs, seven hits, six strikeouts, and three walks. He's now up to his career average of 233 on the season. So he's he's doing what you signed him to do. It took a while. It took quite some time, I will say, but he's now doing exactly what you signed him to do, and that's hit home runs. He's producing. Um, he's been getting on at a pretty decent clip. Like his last seven games, he's getting on 370, which is rather fantastic. Great leadoff. Yeah, that's a leadoff guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's not your ideal leadoff guy, but yeah. like- Not like, traditional, that's for sure. <laughs> I, which which is fine, but like this offense has been so dreadful, you have to just mix it up. And he's hit lead off the floor with the Cubs, so like yeah, I mean it's it's somewhat working. They're still not scoring a lot, but that's not on him. He's having a very good week, but yeah, it's working. Keep playing, ride. So you know, obviously seven and five isn't the most encouraging thing over this you know twelve game stretch where the the pitching as a whole has been dominant, but when the pitching is this dominant sometimes you can get by with just a home run here or, you know, like we saw today, you know, Bell's home run was the difference. We only scored three runs, but it was the difference. So sometimes if you can just get one guy going, it's enough. Is it enough for the the rest of the season? Absolutely not. Not even close. But if you're trying to get right and build something, you know, putting Schwarber in a position to succeed or to do better than what he was doing previously, it might be enough to just keep your head above water. And I'm trying to speak optimistically. I don't think that's really going to do anything in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, if you're putting Schwarber in a position to succeed, which he has been lately, because Trey's hitting right behind him. So he's getting more pitches to hit. And, you know, he's able to make the most of those pitches he, he struggles with the pitches with chasing basically so if he's getting more pitches in the zone more pitches to hit that's where we're seeing you know a little bit of an uptick in home runs you know per at bat or excuse me um and, and stuff like that so again not the most conventional uh leadoff hitter like you guys said but it, it's been working and you know robles he doesn't really change whether you hit him lead off or hit him ninth you're gonna get robles and, you know, we've seen a couple other guys. I think Josh Harrison did it for a while. You know, we've seen a couple of other guys lead off. I mean, Andrew Stevenson did it. No one really has taken advantage of. Yeah, Trey we don't really behind. have a leadoff guy. Right. No one has taken advantage of Trey hitting behind them yet. So the fact that Kyle Schwarber is, let it ride. See, see what it turns into. Yeah, I completely agree. It's been, uh, I think the fact that he's hitting in front of Trey is a big part of why he's he's succeeding more. And you made a great point there, Nick, is that when your pitching is that dominant, that maybe, it, obviously it's never good to score two runs or three runs in a game, but if your pitching can be that good, you're still going to win some of those games. Right. So if uh, we have a terribly anemic offense right now, but if you can get a guy like Schwarber going, and then that brings me to my next guy I wanted to talk about, which is Gomes, who seems to be heating up a little bit. But if you can get a couple of these guys going, you know, if the pitching can maintain this level of performance, then, you know, obviously that lessens the, the amount of offense you need to win some ball games. Yep, certainly. 
Um, yeah, Gomes has looked great. Obviously, a couple home runs the past couple days, and uh, you know, including the, a grand slam. Right, right. Which I is love very, Gomes. Very rare to get a, a hit with runners in scoring, or <clears throat> excuse me, with the base with the bases loaded. loaded. Yeah, ten for sixty-two. I looked that up. Ten yeah. for sixty-two with with the uh, bases loaded. It's just so dreadful. That's why they stink. But I love Young Gomes. But the whole like, is he a top ten catcher? He's on fire. He should be an all star. It's it's rather overblown. Just, just stop. Um, <laughs> he slashed 240, 296, 480 in his last seven games. He does have two home runs and six RBIs, seven strikeouts, two walks. The grand slam was rather fantastic because again, we don't see hits with uh, bases loaded very often. But yeah, love Yon. Um, if he can honestly, if he can keep hitting 240, 250 get on base 30% of the time, that's fine. He's a catcher. You don't really expect much from him, but yeah. I was going to say, those are like top tier numbers for a catcher. Top 10, would you say? No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay, let's talk about a couple of not so good things. We actually just did one, which is the numbers with the bases loaded, but just with runners on base at all, like they are just stranding so many runners. It's so frustrating. And I know, Obviously, every team strands runners, and it's good to have traffic on the bases. It's good to have runners on to strand, but they just never seem to get those clutch hits. And and like today, until that Josh Bell home run, I mean, it was a razor thin one run lead that would have we would have been in extras if not for that Josh Bell home run. So it's just very very frustrating to see their inability to play small ball and and scratch runs across when they've got people on base. Yeah, I mean. The guys that brought in the run produce, you know, Josh Bell's been off to a rough start. That hurts with that. Um, Soto is not seeing off-speed and breaking pitches nearly as well. He's seen some natural regression this year, um, which is hurting that as well. But then the rest of the lineup's not really power contact guys. You had to put Kyle Schwarber in the leadoff spot, so that kind of eliminates him from run producing. He's not going to have a lot of options with runners at scoring position. But even before that, when he was hitting and, you know, three through five or six, he wasn't really hitting with ranks or scoring position either. So it was just a mix of the guys they brought in, not doing their jobs. And then also just bad approach. Like every time there's running scoring position, we saw this team swing at pitches out of the zone or just hitting balls right at people. It's a lot of luck. It's also just a lot of bad approach. It was just kind of a, it's been a perfect storm of bad for the Nats with runners and scoring position all year long. If they have even a average average offense or even average with runners in scoring position they're probably 500 or a game or two above like that's been the biggest story and the biggest issue of the season biggest so issue. i wonder what their babbit is with runners in scoring position i'd like to look that up not while we're in the middle of recording of course but that's interesting to see because they do hit it does seem like they hit a lot I'll of hard hit balls. thank you a lot of hard hit balls right at people you know, and some of that is luck, but also, you know, like you mentioned about approach, you need to, if, if they've shifted on you, then you need to try to put the ball someplace else. And I know that's easy to say and not easy to do, but you know, these guys are professional hitters. They've got to figure out a way to, you know, like even, you know, send a bun up the third baseline, you do something like get, get runners moved over, you know, do something to produce runs. And it's been a big, big issue for them. For me, it just comes down to their off season approach. Like you had to, you have to have enough foresight to anticipate this as one of the potential outcomes. We, if we can talk about it and identify this as a potential issue for this team, 
just the inability to put the ball in play, the people being paid to do this as their actual job and make corresponding moves to resolve said issues need to see it as well. Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell had the same exact profile coming into this season. They're, you know, lots of pop, but lots of swing and miss. And those are the two guys specifically brought in to run produce. So, you know, it's not the biggest shock in the world that they can't put the ball in play. And obviously now you have Schwarber leading off. So he's going to have in theory, less opportunities with the bases loaded and run scoring, you know, situations at bats. So you're really leaving it all to Josh Bell who hasn't yet turned it around fully this year. So it's like, again, I don't know why this is so hard to, for people to wrap their heads around. And it's also why, you know, a couple of our friends like Matt Wyrick and a couple of the other interviews we've talked about, and even us ourselves have said someone like DJ LeMahieu, Michael Brantley, someone who's known for putting the ball in play and a high contact, high on base percentage guy would have been perfect for this team. Yes. It's not a traditional like four hitter, but sometimes you just need someone to put the ball in play. That's what Daniel Murphy did. Mm, he only, I miss Daniel Murphy. Only later in his career did he find some more pop, but he, he was never like a perennial 30, 40 home run guy, but he could put the ball in play and he had a great sense of the strike zone and he didn't really strike out that much. So he put the ball in play and good things happen. So Honestly, you don't have anyone like that now. They probably it's probably a great thing they didn't sign DJ LeMayu because he's been absolutely terrible. Well, I just meant year, so that, that, pro, that profile. That <laughs> I know. Pro, I'm not trying to say like they missed out, but yeah, I know they didn't even target someone like that. Yes. Well, it's it's true that these were issues that were foreseeable, even for us who are just, you know, a bunch of donkeys who sit around and talk about <laughs> baseball. And if we could see it, then it seems like everybody else should be able like the people who, like you said, do this for their job, who get paid large sums of money should have been able to see this. <laughs> we're just a freaking donkey he honk <laughs> <laughs> um, also one more before we move on is what is up with Soto it's you know at first you're just like oh I came off the IL he's not quite there yet like it's starting to feel like he is just not I don't know like at what point are we allowed to be like hey uh, can you stop grounding into freaking double plays please like, well yeah, yeah at, at any point because yeah. everyone's allowed to be um, everyone is allowed to be you know, what's the word? I can't remember. Concerned? Anyways, um, no. Um, or um, I know what you're trying to say. Uh, criticize? Criticize. Criticize. There we go. Yeah. yeah. But it's really simple for one. Um, all in 2020 and 2019, he was one of the best hitters in baseball on off speed and breaking pitches. His run value for curveball was seven. That's elite. His run ball for value for slider was six. That's elite. Changeup was five. That's elite. Now this year, his run value for changeup is zero. Slider, negative one. Curveball, one. So he's not seeing it as well, which is fine. What he did last year was a hot 45-game stretch. It was irresponsible and ridiculous to assume that he could do that over a full 162-game season. It, it just was not going to happen. Also, it's very common for young players to slump or have some type of natural regression. What we're, I, Juan, Juan is fully healthy. And what I believe we're seeing with him is just natural regression. What he has been doing the last couple of years is absolutely unworldly. 
the fact that they came in the season thinking they could bank on the 22 year old to continue that production was irresponsible. You can't do that with players this young players, this young slump players all across the league slump. Mike Trout has slumps all the time. You could be concerned, but it's more likely than not just natural regression. It's very unfortunate. It's happening. His natural regression is still good because he still has a ridiculously high on base percentage. So he's still providing value. He's also been a plus defender right field this year. He's just not putting up the, you know, create a player and it will be the show numbers. We're just seeing the regression to the mean. Will he snap out of it? Probably. He will get to a hot spot at some point. But right now, this is what we're seeing. The league has adjusted to him. He hasn't adjusted just yet. He will, though. I mean, he's such a good hitter. I think he probably should have gone ahead and signed his $500 million contract last year. That would have been. This is why you don't sign young players to massive contracts. Well, right. But I'm saying for him, he probably should have gone ahead and signed that contract last year when everybody was drooling over him and the Nats would have given him anything he asked for. The Nats Nats front office is probably high-fiving right now because – after this season, if he continues like this, that $500 million number is going to be way down to like 300 or so because all the attention's on Vladdy, Acuna, and Tatis right now. So Nats are probably just like, yes, he's cheaper now. But Yeah, they probably care more about that than they do about winning this season for damn his, sure. His actual production. and health. All they care about is selling tickets. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I also believe he's fully healthy. My, you know – again, educated guess on what's going on is I do think specifically because it was a shoulder injury. I don't think it's lingering, but anything like that, it's going to mess with your mechanics and it's going to take, you know, time to get it right. Especially when you're facing this dominant of MLB pitching and, you know, you have the power and, uh, you know, as smooth as one swings, swans swings look it takes a lot you know he, he swings hard obviously the the ball travels that i'm not you know saying anything no one already knows but if you have a shoulder injury and you kind of here i am using the word again overcompensate with you know other body parts or with your motion it's it's going to result in a change and right now that change is part of it is you know hitting down on the ball as opposed to, you know, leveling out and the launch angle and all those advanced metrics. I think the the shoulder injury is just messing with his mechanics a little bit and he hasn't, you know, straightened that out yet. There just hasn't been enough time for him to get his swing rate because, you know, just the way the schedule works out and, you know, it takes a whole off season to really, you know, make a change in your swing. Yeah, well, hopefully we're going to see him kind of – it does seem to me that he hasn't really gotten back to normal because you don't just forget how to hit He what he was doing last year. He did obviously see off-speed a lot better, but I think your point, Nick, about hitting down on the ball as opposed to elevating it, it that's what you're seeing so much of. He's, he's hitting so many more ground balls than he did in the past, so hopefully he can figure out or make some tweaks to the swing that gets him under the ball a little bit more. Because, um, yeah, this team really was counting on him to continue those sort of supernatural numbers, and we are definitely not seeing that. I think that's a big, huge part of the offensive struggles with the team is, you know, he's not been himself. Yeah, I mean. So hopefully he will be himself again. It's it's like Ryan said, it was irresponsible to the Nats to, to bank on that kind of production being sustained over the life of a season. 
or Josh Bell playing like he did that one half season. Or, you know, all the guys they sign playing to the back of the baseball cards, even though all, you know, signs pointed to them being who they are. Yeah. All right. Let's move on and talk a little bit about pitching. We mentioned earlier in this conversation about the 1.19 ERA for the starters in the last 12, 2.10 ERA for the bullpen. Um, I specifically want to talk about a couple of starting performances. Corbin's last start yesterday was phenomenal. Eight and a third. Um, gave up one run. I thought he was going to go a complete game, but I guess Davey got nervous when he was at 110 pitches and came and got him. I think he should have let him finish it since it was only two outs to go and we had a seven run lead. But... Well, you just let two guys on. So it's right to take him out then. Yeah. I mean, I know, but if he'd given, I, I would have loved to have seen him go a complete game, especially just for his confidence. I think getting into that deep into a ball game and pitching really well, obviously playing against the pirates, makes that a whole lot easier. But I hope that for Gomes and for for Corbin and a lot of guys who played really well this weekend, that this can be a kind of a confidence boost. Look, sometimes just to, you know, get things going mentally, you got to beat up on a bad team. And the last time he had a, um, this is his, sorry, this is his longest start since he faced the Pirates in 2019. when he had a complete game. Just he look, likes pitching against the Pirates. Who doesn't? Looking at all the numbers coming into it, I looked at this and I said, if Patrick Corbin does not have a dominant start, we have a very, very big issue on our hands. We still have an issue in our hands with with Patrick Corbin. It's just not a massive issue. His ERA is finally under six now, I believe. So congratulations to Patrick Corbin. That's the lowest has been since he had zero innings pitched. Um, So that's great. He is getting better. He's still having some rocky times. But to for him to go out there and do this, get a little confidence, you know, feel a little bit better about yourself and your stuff because he didn't have his slider early, but it didn't really matter because he had his other pitches and he got a little boost from the Pirates, but great for him. It's great to see him come out and pitch like this because with Max Hurt and Strauss Hurt, the team needs it. Yes, they do. Um, the other one I want to talk about is Paolo Espino, who started in Max's place today. And this is such a fun story. Um, that guy was drafted 15 years ago and spent, what was it, 400 games he said he played in the minors? He's yeah. been career minor leaguer. Yeah, career minor leaguer and, you know, got himself onto the big league club, ended up in the bullpen and then is made this start today. Got his first career MLB win, which was just super fun to see. I love those kinds of stories. And I love these career minor league guys finally making it big. Like Clint Robinson was another fun story. Boo. Boo. I know you're not. That was a fun story. I didn't say the part oh, about how he played in the majors. But disagree. I love those kinds of stories. Anyway, he got his first major league win today, which was great. He pitched really well, five innings. Um, it just, I didn't think we were even going to get that much out of him. 50 pitches ish. I can't remember what the exact number was. 53. 53, but really efficient start, really good, scoreless. I mean, again, caveat that it's the Pirates, but. No, I mean, he's. Even even if it's just the Pirates, like what he's been doing this year is really, really underrated and people aren't talking about it enough. He has a 2.28 ERA for, ERA for you. He's been making a lot of spot starts, a lot of times where he's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to pitch today. So, and then someone gets hurt and he has to go on in there. Like he's been very, very useful this year. He's been very, very impactful. And that's something you can't really quantify enough of how much that means. Like after Max came out, got hurt, he pitched great. You know, again, today, a game they needed to win because you need to get things going and get more momentum on your side. He pitched great. And he got his first win. Just can't 
say enough how great he has been for this team. Yeah, I, I mean, it's exactly what this team needed. I mean, with all the uh, kind of shuffling around between, you know, Strauss getting hurt, now Max hurt, Corbin struggling, Lester struggling, Ross being all over the place, Fetty gone for a, a little bit. Um, having some consistency goes a long way. And right now that's Espino, uh, you know, it was both for a little bit. I think both and Espino combined is just like the ultimate pitching Swiss army knife. Cause they can, you know, be a, a good bullpen piece, but also make those spot starts, which with the seven, inning, seven inning double headers, like you just never know when those are going to come up. It seems like we have a seven inning double header, like once a week. So you kind of, you kind of need them to, to fill that role, but it's also a very important role. And the fact that Espino can go out there, yeah, it's against the Pirates, but to go five innings on 53 pitches is no small feat because now not only did he give his team a chance to win, he's not completely gassed either, and he didn't, you know, gas the bullpen. He didn't make it a true bullpen game. If any one of our starters only went five innings, you're like, all right, like you don't think twice about it. And Espino did just that. He went the normal length. I mean, he qualified for the win, obviously, but he went the normal length of kind of what you would expect or accept yeah, from a out fourth of a starter, or fifth starter yeah. out of a starter. And he didn't completely burn the bullpen. So that that kind of thing, like Ryan said, is completely undervalued, underrated, and it, it can't be understated what he's done for this year. And he as far as I'm concerned, he's really bought himself a spot, um, you know, on the team. And I think with Will Harris, you know, being done for the season, he'll Espino will have that spot like guaranteed. But um, you know the the stuff he's been doing has been great, and he should you know remain with the club. Yeah, he's been a really nice surprise. And uh, like I said I love when guys who grind through that kind of a minor league career finally finally get where they were trying to go all that time. And I hope he I hope he gets to stay. He's he's certainly earned it being able to go out there in long relief or make a start when you need them to like that. It's such a huge thing to have that kind of versatility in your bullpen. And uh, with the rash of injuries, you know, you, you mentioned Harris, you know, Hudson's out right now, but we're down both Strauss and Scherzer. Like you just need a guy who can do what you ask him to do, you know? And, and a lot of times I feel like pitchers are so, I know they're such creatures of habit that you ask them to do anything they're not used to and they just break, you know, it's, it's really impressive to see him do what he's doing. So I like him. I'm happy for him on his first win and I hope he sticks around. Not easy either. Really, no. really not easy. Not easy at all. Okay. Um, let's talk about um, Starlin Castro. He was put on the restricted list today. Um, thoughts, good, good vibes to him and his family. They, uh, Davey said there was some kind of a family issue that required his urgent attention. So hoping everything is okay with him, but we have no idea when he's going to be back. My biggest thing with this is, and you're absolutely right. Like, you know, thoughts and prayers to, to him uh, and hopefully everything's all right. My biggest takeaway from this is Luis Garcia gets a legitimate shot. Mm-hmm. To play you know, every day at the to, big to play level. every day, and if Luis Garcia can stick, this lineup might be better because you know Castro was just at best fine, and that's really what he's been for the majority of his career. It's like you don't need to replace him, 
but he's not, you know, he's not irreplaceable. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. He's not irreplaceable. And he's also not a starting guy on a contending team either. So it, you know, if the Nats can get younger by letting Luis Garcia play every day and Luis Garcia can earn playing time, this is the opportunity where, you know, he's going to get a shot and let's see if, you know, what comes of it. Maybe, you know, Luis Garcia slots in at second base every day. Jay Hay plays third because Jay Hay can. I mean, th- that's really what Josh Harrison does. It's like he's not phenomenal at any one position, but he's serviceable at a bunch of different positions. Yeah. So shifting him from second to third, it's not like you're worried about Jay Hay's development. He is who he is at this point in his career. Let's get Luis Garcia in a position to succeed and get him regular at bats while Castro's out and see, you know, what sticks because right now he's your prize position prospect. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I'm ready to see Garcia play every day. I want to see what we have, you know, if he could be a little spark plug for the offense, that'd be fantastic. But even if he's just a replacement level for what Castro was doing, that's fine too. He's also a lefty, which I feel like, you know, this team kind of needs just as like we have, Harrison or not Harrison, sorry, Bell and um and, and Schwarber. Schwarber, but again, they have the very similar profiles. So hopefully someone like Garcia can make a little bit more contact with the ball since he's not such a power power guy. Um, so I think that'll help to balance out this lineup a little bit. Yep. Agreed. All right. Uh oh, speaking of good stories, Justin Miller is back up with the big club. He took Max's roster spot when they put him on the DL. IL. I still say DL all the time. Um, But they put him on the IL. Um, He was with the team in 2019 and got injured. And uh, there's just, there's a nice, Masson Sports had a nice um, profile of him. If you guys are interested in reading it about kind of how he bounced all around since then. And then finally wound up right back where he started back with the Nats and uh, had no expectations about making it back to the big leagues, but got the last two outs in Corbin's game yesterday and uh, looks, looks pretty decent. He was serviceable in 2019. If I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. He wasn't otherworldly, but he, he was fine. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Is, is the right word. He wasn't anything, you know, that blew your socks off, knocked your socks off, blew you away. I'm combining mixing metaphors here. But um, he had a, I remember he had one really bad start and then I think he got hurt and that was kind of the last we saw of him. And I didn't really think about him again until I guess he played for a couple of different teams and then the Nats gave him a minor league invite this year. And uh, he just finally got made his way back up with us when Max went on the IL the other day. So interesting. Be good to see how he does. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk Mets. So sweep of the pirates, all good stuff. Uh, going to get a lot harder now. We've got a four game set coming up with the Mets over the weekend. Um, looks like the pitching matchups are going to be uh, Lucchesi versus Fetty. And then they're going to pitch Peterson and they haven't announced who their other Saturday starters going to be with double header on Saturday. And then Lester and Ross are going to pitch, but Davey hasn't said yet who will pitch the early game and who will pitch the late game. And then yeah. Ty- Tywin Walker versus Corbin for the, the finale yeah so the Mets have the upper hand in Sunday's matchup good news for the Nats they avoid Jacob deGrom and they avoid Marcus Stroman both of them Jacob deGrom is the best player in baseball right now and Marcus Stroman has been otherworldly in his last seven starts no one really talks about because 
you're not Jacob DeGrom. No one's going to care about you. The pitching matchups in the first three games are pretty even. Um, when you look at the Mets team stats, um, they are 14th in WRC plus, 28th in home runs, 16th in batting average. They're 15th in on base, 23rd in slugging, and 27th in runs per game. Um, their pitching is their strength. This team wins and dies by pitching. It's the reason why they're in first place with all the injuries that they have. They're first in the ERA for starting pitchers, six in K per nine, first in batting average against, and second in whip. And their bullpen is the definition of bend but don't break. They're eighth in the ERA, seventh in K per nine, 12th in left on base percentage, 15th in whip, and 21st in on base, sorry, batting average against. So their pitching's good. They haven't been scoring a lot of runs. They've been very, very hurt. Lindor has struggled, but now they're getting healthier. And Lindor is getting hot. Michael Conforto is making his rehab start. He should be up this weekend, so the Mets will get even more of a big boost to their lineup. They're playing very good baseball right now. They took two or three against the Padres. They just took the first three of the series against the Cubs. They're good. Um, they're just winning games. All their games are an eight-inning game right now because Edwin Diaz is pitching like prime Edwin Diaz, and he's still elite. So that's something you have to keep in mind. There's going to be two seven-inning games, so those games are going to be six innings if you're trailing. It's basically going to be who pitches better. Um, the second Saturday game, they're probably going with a bullpen game against Joe Ross, but you got to get Joe Ross and Eric Fetty to be their best selves, absolutely. This is your most important series of the, of the year. Um, you just came off a sweep. Are you truly as good as you say you are? You have to win this series. The worst thing you can do is split this series because you split the worst thing you can do. (laughs) No, no, no. The worst thing you can do is split this series because you get swept or you lose three, three or four. You're done. You're 11 or 12 games back in the division. You're done, but you split. You're still in purgatory. You're probably still going to be in third place in the division because the Braves just blew the lead. They gave up a grand slam. Yes. You're in third. You're in purgatory. That's the Rizzo and Mike, uh, the learners. Oh, no, we're, we're, we're good. Like, we can do this. That's the absolute worst thing you can do. You cannot be in purgatory. You have to take three or four a sweep or lose three or four a sweep. Do not, do not split this series. That's the absolute worst thing you can do as a team right now. Yeah, I mean, the most important series of the season is always the next one. But, I mean, it, it's no understatement to say this is the most important. It, it's the most important series of the season, but it's also going to be the most telling. And Ryan outlined it perfectly. Can we really compete? Can we legitimately have a shot at the division? If you say yes, well, then we need to win at, le- at least three or four, if not sweep. If, you know, you say no, well let's just test that theory right and i 100 agree with ryan's evaluation of this series the worst thing would be to split because as we've seen you know the track record of this front office is not great when this team is middling because they typically do nothing and they've done that for several years now uh if anything they've gotten a bullpen piece and they don't really I certainly any team could use a bullpen piece, but they don't necessarily need it now. It's not their biggest need anymore. So it's like, we we've never really approached a deadline like this without, you know, the bullpen need. And typically those are the easiest and or cheapest to get because just the volatility and 
Most relievers don't have long contracts. So you don't have to worry about that. They don't require a ton of prospects because they're not as highly valued as a starting pitcher or, you know, a, a position player. So typically trades for bullpen pieces are the easiest to make for the most part. Obviously there are, there are exceptions. So now that you don't necessarily need that, what does a trade deadline look like if we are middling? What does a trade deadline look like if we are, you know, in contention? You know, how all in do we go? Do we even go all in or do we believe in the guys we have? All of that is going to really be determined by how this series goes. If, you know, they go three or four, if not a full sweep, well, then, you know, again, that, that changes the, the landscape of the NL East, and you really need to consider, hey, we have a legitimate shot at the bull, or at, at the at the title, at the division. So it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to go all in. I don't think it would be great, the best move at this point, but at least it's the direction. So, you know, it, it's going to be the most telling. It's going to be, you know, the most important series of the season. So – I don't have any, and I guess this is where I differ from you guys on this one, is I don't have any confidence that if they lose three or four or get swept or if they're, you know, 10 games back of, you know, of the Mets or whoever's in first place at that time at the trade deadline, that they're going to sell and start a rebuild. Like, I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't think there's anything in the, in the history of this front office that makes us think that they're going to give up on the season, even if they're, you know, unless they're like 15 games back, 20 games back, like something so dreadful and so obvious that there's no way they would try to stay in contention. I don't think that even being 10 or 12 games back is going to be enough for them to, to sell significantly at the deadline. So, and, and second point is I think that a split of this series is the best that we can expect from the Nats. Yeah, I the way the Mets are playing right now, I cannot see the the Nats taking 3 or 4 from them the way things are now. Now, the only way I could think that could happen is we just talked about how dominant the Nats pitching has been. We're missing their best pitchers and their pitching is their strength. So if, you know, their lineup hopefully without Conforto, but if their lineup doesn't, you know, hit 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 our pitchers around too much and we can produce a little bit of offense, maybe that'll be enough to win a couple of games, but I do not see them going three or four, even though, even with, even with our pitching doing as, as well as it is, I cannot see the Nats winning the series. I'd like to be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I honestly have a feeling they're going to split at the best. Yeah. That's be, my, that's my high watermark for this series is if they split. <laughs> yeah. Like looking at it, that second Saturday game with the bullpen game, I could see them winning that. Um, Joey Lucchesi, you don't really know what you're going to get from him. He's either spot on really dominant or he's absolute disaster. I feel and like he's Nats- been really good. He has Taiwan Walker Sunday. You know, he's been very good. So I, he has sun- been very good, but Sunday just came nice. off his best start of the season. So maybe, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not, one. I'm not going to bank on that. <laughs> no, I wouldn't put any money on just, that. <laughs> just yet. But yeah, I mean, Look, this is, like I said, this is a series. You know, you keep saying all this stuff of, um, sorry, what, what's, what Shorbers go to right now? Uh, stay with stay us. With stay us. with us. Yeah. If you want the fans to stay with you, you got to be the good team. You have to be the good team. Yeah. You what did you say their record losing. was against teams over 512 and 21? 12, 12 and 21. That's rather poor. Now you're going up against the best, the only good team in the division. Excuse me. Find a way. 
you got to find a way to win it if you want these people to stay with you. Because you lose this series, morale is going to be an all-time low amongst his fan base. And that's just not going to be very well. So you got to find a way to win it. Just like it worked last week, uh, last episode when you told him in your one big thing to sweep the pirates and prove you wrong. So tell him yeah. again. <laughs> prove me wrong. Seriously, like everyone in the world knew you were going to sweep the pirates. That was not a competition. Now you have a big competition. This is going to be, I don't want to say playoff baseball because like there's only going to be like 20,000 people at the game and half of them will be Mets fans, but it's, it's big. Like this, this is important. Prove me wrong. I'm going to go in with the mindset that you're going to get swept so you can prove me wrong. I'm going to reverse psychology your ass. <laughs> Take that. All right. Let's move on for a word from our sponsor before our next draft. Yes. Heaters, this episode and all of our episodes are brought to you in part by Manscaped. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The lawnmower 4.0 is revolutionary the best scrubbing tool in the game got better not once not twice but three times with this fourth edition uh well i guess it would be four times great math there nick four times with this great grooming tool for men and we've been promoting the ultra smooth package recently well clearly our heaters have been listening because the ultra smooth package is sold out so great job heaters i know we we've had some uh some feedback on, on guys uh, that have, you know, gotten Manscaped products and they love it. But if you have missed out, no need to worry because there are new packages just for you. The performance package, brand new. The dif- the difference between this 4.0 package and previous package includes the lawnmower 4.0, which is the, like I said, revolutionary trimmer. It comes with that the, the Weed Whacker, which is the ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver, and the Crop Reviver. So it's literally four things you would use almost every day for a great price. And it can be even better if you use our promo code, which is HSHH20. You get 20% off and free shipping. You get a ton of stuff in this package. The Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker, Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver. You actually get boxer briefs and a shed travel bag because of the, the purchase. They just throw it in there for free. So you can get all of that for 20% off and free shipping. So go do that. Go do that right now. Make this one sell out too. Just keep, keep Manscaped on their toes. You can never let them know your next move. So use our promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping. Do it. All right. Next, we have something fun. Ryan. Yes. So last week we did... A very fun draft. It was just your favorite baseball things. This week, we have another draft. And it's from a listener who said, you guys should do a draft of your least favorite baseball things or things that annoy you at baseball games. So I don't have my random list generated. I did it. Ah, let's go. <laughs> You're not going to like it, though. <laughs> oh, Ryan's last. Yeah, I did get first pick. In- oh, 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 how convenient. I did it. Look, I can send it. Uh, so yeah, it, it's myself, Amanda, Ryan, and then obviously Snake Draft as always. How many rounds do we want to go? Are we going to go five to keep it keep it even? I'm down. Down. Okay. All right. So I'll I'll get us started. So the way I'm viewing this draft is it's the worst things about 
baseball games or the things that annoy you. And obviously the most games I go to and have gone to are Nats games. So a lot of what annoys me about baseball games is going to be Nats related. And there is one above all else that I cannot stand. Anytime this happens, I cringe so hard. It is the worst part of the Nats game. Without a doubt, without <laughs> a doubt, gonna be. without a doubt. Actually, I don't think you know what it's going to be. The worst part of going to a Nats game is the GD woo they say at the end of the chant they do after the the run scoring song. That's I knew you were going to end it's NATS, 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 woo! <laughs> the absolute dumbest thing. First of all, I mean, the chant's dumb in itself. Okay, but the woo is so unnecessary. It is the most unoriginal thing ever. It's a legitimate copy of what the Jets do. It is so unoriginal, so forced, so fake. There's no energy in the ballpark ever, aside from a playoff game. And the the woo is just so fake and fabricated and just it's terrible. It is the worst part of a Nats game. And it almost like brings joy to me that the Nats can't score runs because I won't have to hear that woo so so often. Wow. Can't just let people enjoy things, huh? No, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> and even worse, it's stuck now. So people aren't going to stop. There's always, even if yep. they try to make it a new thing, there's always going to be that one fan that can't move on and just shouting woo, the freaking woo girls. It's terrible. It's the dumbest thing ever. All right. Well, that was vitriolic. All right. I'm going to go with one that everybody talks about all over baseball. It's not Nat specific. This is the whole anytime you catch a foul ball, everybody like heckles you if you don't give it to some random child who happens to be sitting near you that you've never even met before. This will never happen if I get a ball. <laughs> if I, I have been going to baseball games my entire life. I have never caught a foul ball or a home run ball ever. And if I ever do, I won't even give it to my own damn kids. I am sure as hell not going to give it to some random kid I've never met before who doesn't even care about the game and is probably going to lose the ball, you know, two weeks after they get it. So absolutely never, ever going to happen. I think this idea that somebody wants to give it to a kid, cool, and clap for them. That's a really nice gesture. But this expectation that just because you're an adult that you don't want to keep the souvenir, maybe you want to take it home and give it to your own kid. Maybe you've wanted to get one your whole life and and you just finally got a souvenir you've been waiting for for decades. Like people shouldn't have to give it to some random kid because the people around them try to shame them into doing it. That is the worst thing at baseball games. The, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, verbal meme, Amanda saying F them kids. Yes, Um, yes, 100%. But also, funny we never talked about it. I actually have caught a foul ball and a home run ball before. Just one of each. But the foul ball I caught was actually the inaugural game at Nats Park. And it was a foul oh, ball to the wow. first base side by uh, Willie Harris. That is an awesome story. I'm very jealous. See, that's the thing. I have, listen, I'm have. i a huge baseball fan. I've been going to baseball games my whole life. I've never gotten one. If I get one, I'm not giving it to anyone. It's mine. And, that's, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If anybody wants to give a ball away, great. That's fantastic. Maybe you've caught five and you're happy to give it away. Maybe you just don't care that much and you're happy to make a kid's day. That's great. But adults should not be shamed by the people around them into giving a ball to a little kid that they don't even know when they may have been waiting forever to get that ball. 
So I still have it actually. I'm staring right at it. It's right in my hand. I'm going to send a picture. I forgot to bring up on when I actually talked to, I just got a ball that Max Scherzer signed, one of the 2019 World Series balls. I put it on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah, it. A client of mine who also happened to be a neighbor, um, he sold his house recently. I worked with him on it and he sent that to me in the mail as a thank you gift. And I was just blown away. That's really but nice. That's tangential. But yes, it was super nice. So that's my first pick is being you said genital. <laughs> Manscaped, HH, <laughs> HSHH20, use our code. Anyway, Ryan, you get the next two. Yeah, so I'm on the clock. Um, play the draft music. There's a lot of routes I can go with this, but my, my first pick is fans that get up and return to their seats during play. I know Nats Park used to make people wait, and then they just said, screw it, to hell with it. Ring and let everyone go back. It's so annoying mm-hmm. when I'm in the middle of an account account watching and these people get up and like they take forever to leave. Half the time they stand up and just turn and look at their friend like, wait, what do you want? <laughs> yeah. What yeah. do you want? I'm like, dog, I can't see. I want to watch the game. Sit down and wait. Annoying as hell. Absolutely hate it. So that's my first pick. Second pick. It's, it's just random things. People talk about the baseball game that have absolutely nothing to do with the baseball game. You're free to talk about whatever you want, but like, when you just overhear those random things and it's like, why, why are you here? <laughs> like you're, you're not even talking about anything that's related to it. Like, why are you here? It's annoying, especially when it's not anything good drama wise. I'm overhearing. I don't hear it. If you're talking about family drama, talk loud as hell. I would love to hear that. That is fun as hell, but <laughs> nah, not, not like the annoying, just like people complaining behind you and stuff. Not a fan. Yeah. So actually one of the ones on my list was the people who get up over and over again, like they're in the middle of the row and they want to get by you 15 times in the middle of the game. Like, good Lord, sit down and watch the game. Like, what are you doing here at the ball game? If you don't even want to sit in your seat. So once the innings, like I don't get up except between innings, I don't want to miss the ball game. Like, If I wanted to be somewhere where I could get up and down and go get food and do all that, I would stay home and watch the game. Like if you're at the ball game, sit down and watch the damn ball game. Usually I have my routine where like I'll spend the first three innings in my seats and then the middle three innings. I'm usually up and just walking around, finding different viewpoints, getting food, just meeting up with people. If there's other people there, like I'm always just doing something in the middle third. And then by the time you hit the seventh or eighth, usually a lot of people have left. So you can get down to better seats or at least different seats. I, I, I literally do that almost every single game I go to. That's fun switching seats so you get a little different different viewpoint yeah all right so my next one is putting the hot cheese on top of my nachos this annoys the crap out of me and this isn't just about nats park it's all (laughs) it's not what i expected but okay (laughs) this is elaborate this almost was my number one so when i get chips or anything if i'm going to dip something if i'm going to dip crispy things into something else i want my crispy things to stay crispy this is true of french fries if i go get like cheese fries i don't want my cheese fries drowned in cheese like i want them to stay crispy i don't want soggy french fries i also don't want soggy nachos i always and i think i've told you guys this a couple of times before is i always ask them to give me a separate container and put the cheese in that container so i get like one with my chips in it and one with the cheese in it so that i can dip them at my leisure and this is the way it, what should happen at ballparks is they should have a, a container for the nachos that has a little, you know, a little section over to one side that you put the cheese in instead of putting it all over the damn chips. Like so, they did the movie theaters. Right. Exactly. So there is no reason why there should be cheese making my nachos soggy. And that is my number two. pick. Nobody likes a soggy nacho. Nobody likes a soggy nacho. You know, I buy real nachos, so I don't have that issue. 
Um, they're absolutely delicious. Cantina 202, you should try them out. I should. Um, so my next pick. Uh, it's my pick. Um, so my next pick. <laughs> will be after Nick's and my next pick. Yeah. God, I'm just ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my next pick is, is similar to Ryan's last pick in that, you know, sometimes you hear stuff at the ballpark you don't want to hear. And that brings me to my next pick. I hate the Woo chant. The Wu chant is terrible. I never want to hear it. It's the most <laughs> annoying thing at a ballpark ever. Um, and then my third pick is when the Nats fans do the Wu chant, but it's not even it's not even in unison. So you get like multiple renditions of it, and it, it's just so out of sync, and it makes it even worse. Like the chant is already horrible on its own but the fact that they can't even do the gd chant right and at the same time just makes it so much worse it's like a pathetic attempt at being cool it, it, it's just one of the worst it is the worst thing about nas games so your third pick is asynchronous wooing asynchronous wooing yes. <laughs> okay all right my number my number three pick is going to be um, obnoxious fans of other teams at your ballpark this drives me nuts. When you go to a, when you go to another team's arena, stadium, ballpark, whatever it is, I feel like that's great. Wear your stuff, cheer for your team. Don't be an asshole. Like, don't be the guy who is like heckling the other fan, you know what I mean? The fans of the home team or yelling stuff out to the players and be like, that annoys the crap out of me. Like have some respect for the fact that you are in someone else's house. I love to see fans from other teams. I think the, I think the Nets fan base is, much more polite and tolerant of other fans than a lot of Boring. fan bases would be sure. But like I was, I hate it. Brace fans doing the freaking tomahawk when you're at Nats park makes me enraged. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like when you go to another team's house, you should be respectful and disrespectful opposing fans is my next pick. I was actually going to say annoying fans next. Um, especially annoying opposing fans. That's a good pick. But my next two picks. First one, I'm going with adults who wear gloves to baseball games. Like, <laughs> I, I hope my brother's not listening to this episode. <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, there's a part of your childhood that's bringing back. It's a feel good thing. But like, come on, man, use your hands. Um, the funniest part, though, is when there's this is actually my favorite thing at baseball game is when there's an adult with a glove and they still drop it. I think that's the funniest yeah. thing in the entire world. It is. It is. Good I, I do want to make an asterisk on that pick. Home run derbies are the exception. Oh, no, no, no. We Nick and I both had our, our gloves at home run derbies. We sat front row. Complete those balls, exception. Those hey. balls come in hot. <laughs> oh, my God. They were denting. The, Not the trying to barehand those. huh? They were no, denting they were. The, the awning or the, the facing of the. the the upper deck <laughs> Kyle rough. Schwarber and Bryce Harper were hitting absolute tanks that game and I we, was we there were, we were above the we were above the bullpen in right field those those balls came in real quick we almost <laughs> <was> died <laughs> <laughs> so yes home run derby is different because there's also thousands of people around you going for that same ball but so you use a glove to hit him in the face. Exactly. You right. punch you them going for it. It's a defensive glove. Yeah. Um, but my last thing is rain delays. Absolute vibe killer. Cause you're kind of like, it's mm, a good one. Do, do I, I stay? Leave? Yes. Yeah. Yep. You're in that awkward zone. Cause like you don't want to leave cause you paid for it, but you also don't know how long it's going to be. But like, you're kind of just like, well, and even worse, you can't, you, you have to get up and out of your seat. So you have to go undercover 
And it's like, yes. well, I'm already, I'm already out of my seat. So do I just go the rest of the way home or like what? I have a policy when I get in a rain delay, if it's bad enough that like we have to get out of our seats and go to the concourse, I'm going to get ramen. And that's just it. Like I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm going to get ramen. I'll listen to the, the rest of the game on the radio. It's fine. Yeah. So uh, ramen are, is my rain delay move. Those are my four. We're doing five rounds, by the way. Oh, shoot. Because we did got, five five in the last one. But you have, you have a little time. You have a little time. I got time. I got time. I got time. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. All right. Okay. So. My next one is going to be people who who don't stand up when there's a two strike count and then act like you're the jackass when you stand up to clap <laughs> for, you know one. what I mean? Those people who like, not only they, they don't know you're supposed to stand up in a two strike count and clap and they look at you like, why are you standing up? I can't see. Like they get mad at you. I once was at a Nats game where somebody kept standing up during the two strike counts and the people who were sitting behind them complained to the usher yeah. and the usher came down and told the people to stop standing up. I was like, are well, you joking right now? So those people who not only don't stand up on a two-strike count, but bitch at the people who do, you're the worst thing about baseball and you should never, ever go to another baseball game. That's Sam, um, I cucked my next pick because my next pick was ushers who take their job too seriously. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, and I was going to bring up the same exact example. Uh, I've only been to one Nats home playoff game, um, and that was with Ryan, uh, the 2017 game one. And they're – yeah, that exact same scenario. People standing up, people didn't like it because they wanted to sit down, complaining to the usher. The usher is just being an asshole. Uh, yeah. So ushers who take the job too seriously, absolute one of the worst things about baseball. Um, and my last pick is the Wu Champ because the Wu Champ is just <laughs> a goddamn terrible. It is so Was bad. that four of your picks? Four of your picks were the Wu Champ? Yeah, and it quite honestly should be all five because the Wu Champ is that bad. All right. Nice. Okay, so I get I get one more, right? Yeah. All right, let me look at my list and see. I was going to say the wave, but that's too easy. <laughs> How about, oh, here's one on the list. Take, I'm going to stick with my food theme I had going earlier. Taking away food items that are awesome and then just like, oh, you come back the next season and they're just gone now. And this and is about the donuts. This is about the donuts. <laughs> even worse, they replace it with something that's already in the stadium. Right, exactly. Like it wasn't like you replaced it with something else fabulous. Yeah. This I have never gotten over the lack of the the donuts that used to be there. They were our favorite thing. Every time we would go, we would go straight to the donut place. It was my kids' favorite thing when I would take them to ball games. And then it was just gone, and you just replace it with some random crap you can get five other places in the ballpark. So, don't do that. That's one of the things that annoys me about stadiums is the food in general is pretty mediocre at most places. Nats Park has some good food. But don't take away the unique stuff just to replace it with more of the mediocre crap. Yep. Agreed. Oof. So I'm up. I'm up. Bring, so, bring it home. Um, just just thinking about it. Um, I, I was going to do the ushers because NASPART ushers are really annoying. Like, Next I, level. I, I understand you're doing your job, but like, relax. Um, about that playoff game, Nick, the beer guy called the person in front of us the hard C word for standing oh, that's up and right. cheering. That's right. Yes. yes. That's exactly what happened. Yes. And so the guy kept like tweeting the Nats complaining and like the, no one from the Nats cared. And then he said, oh, I'm going to sell my season tickets. Within five minutes, the Nats DM'd him. I had like a customer service rep contact him, which was pretty funny. Um, but so my last thing is this is my biggest pet peeve. So I'm, I'm a tall guy, right? I, I have yeah. a problem with like sitting 
like in tight spots like that for a while, my legs get restless. I like to extend my legs. I like to rest up. There is nothing more annoying than when the people are sitting next to me and there's like a bunch of seats open and they don't scoot down. Like, dog, why sit on top of me when you can scoot down? Spread out. It's so annoying. Those seats are open. Scoot on over so a homie like me can extend my legs to the right, you know, help help a brother out. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Uh, that just, one would have never occurred to me. I'm five foot one. Yeah, people, <laughs> but just people in general who are such sticklers for their tickets, like their tickets, their no, seat, like who cares they can't if there's see space it, anywhere else. It, it, but like, I, I get it if it's a jam packed park and someone's in your seat, like get the hell out of my seat, bro. But like, if there's in that situation, like Ryan just said, yeah, scoot down. I'm taking up like three seats just for myself, you know, right? be like on a plane. If there's, you know, somebody in the middle seat and somebody in the aisle seat and there's nobody in the window seat, scoot the hell down and sit in the window seat. Like what do you like? If someone's in the urinal right next to you, like scoot down, bro. Yeah. Again, we're outside my purview here, but sure. That would be, I've always thought that would be weird. Urinals are really close together. Like that seems weird, but yeah. Uh, yeah. one basic one I didn't want to take and I needed to reserve as many spots possible for the woo uh, parking in Nats Park is just terrible oh yeah but that's not so much of the things that annoy you about baseball that's pretty Nats Park specific but yeah I, I was I, like I prefaced a lot of my uh, gripes are with the Nats baseball game in general Nat, yeah, the, the parking Nats situation Park, is dreadful it, it's like it's bad at a lot of places like uh, Dodger Stadium for instance it's very much football parking where there's just parking lots surrounding the stadium. So all the parking and it's Dodger Hill. So it's up on top of a hill. Literally it's the stadium and parking. That's it. But um, like, that's bad because there's one way in one way out. So you're just going to, you're bound to hit a lot of traffic. And that's part there's just like not a good place to park. Like either you're paying a lot of money to be in one of the garages by the stadium, or you're just like not in a great place either sketchy or just annoying there's just not a, a great place to park do you that. have a go-to parking spot or do you usually metro i metro what about you ryan hello we lost ryan um yeah i always drive because we come from so far and i, I guess you could you know park at one of the outer metro places in metro in, but it just seems like too much to deal with and at the end of the night when it's late i just want to get in my car and drive home i don't want to have to deal with metro mm-hmm. but we always come in and park in the same place like outside the third base gate on the other side of the road there there's a little parking garage that's almost always got space that's like our go-to spot but it's still not it's it's not the nicest place i'm always a little surprised when my car is there when i get out honestly that's how i felt for a long time and i'm like uh i mean i don't necessarily like feeling that way but you know it just is what it is but. it is indeed that is that is life, but so far so good. My car's always been there when I come out, right? So well, the, that's because they ends well. they check the odometer. Like, damn, this car doesn't have much life left, and then they move on to the my next poor one. Car, yeah. <laughs> I've had my car for nine months. The car I have now, I just bought recently. I think we talked 80, about eighty thousand miles. It. It's got thirty thousand miles on it <laughs> in nine months. It's ridiculous. So much driving. Yeah. All right, so I think that is it for our draft. I hope someone was writing those down. Just to me. <laughs> i think we lost ryan but hopefully he was writing this down <laughs> we'll figure it out we'll figure it out okay um so that brings us to our last segment which is our one big thing what do you got 
Um, nothing really. I. Is I mean, it the Wu chant? Yeah, I've I had Wu chant <laughs> on the brain, so I'm kind of a little, I'm a little frazzled right now. I hate Maybe that, that can be that, your one big thing. I hate that Wu chant. The Wu chant, <laughs> especially and, asynchronous wooing. That's the worst kind. It's the worst. Can't even do it at the right time. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty tough, pretty tough stuff. Um, my one big thing, I guess, is just kind of redundant because it's coming back to what we talked about earlier. Um, I, I think the next two or three weeks or month is going to be extremely telling um, about all of this sticky stuff. I think um, I'm really interested to see not only if people get injured, obviously you never hope for injuries, but I'm interested and fascinated to see who's, who's pitching completely changes because I think that's going to tell you who was you like, if you see some injuries, this might be a guy who was used to using sunscreen and rosin and isn't maybe overcompensating for the lack of grip. If you see a guy whose pitches are completely different, you're going to know who's been using the, the really crazy spider tack type stuff. And uh, like I said, I'm glad to see this enforcement happening because I think the lack of offense has been a real problem, but I do wish they weren't doing it at mid season like this. I think this is a huge mistake. And just like baseball, always does they're just stepping all over their own asses and making making it much more difficult than it needs to be and pissing off the players even more in a you know in the lead up to the new cba (laughs) negotiations so we haven't really gotten into how this sticky stuff issue might impact the cba Um, maybe we can do that on the next episode but it's just they throw it on the pile of things that that are going to have the two sides at each other's throats yep all right ryan are you back just win baby (laughs) just win is a good it's a good one big thing uh do it go out and beat the mets like if if you if you don't that's okay because like it gets us closer to selling but like just win. you're gonna say this purgatory just win yeah i just i don't think that i don't think that losing is gonna get us that much closer to selling but but yes, just win. Beat the Mets. At least at least split. If you could do better than a split, that's a that's a win in my book and move on and gain a little ground. One can only hope. One can only hope. Okay, we got anything else before we get out of here? I'm good. All right. Well, thank you everyone who's listening. We appreciate you guys so much. Please make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You always know when we post our new episodes. Um, Find us on Twitter. The show is at Half Street High Heat and the website is halfstreethighheat.com where there's always going to be great stuff for you to find. You guys have a good rest of your week and we'll talk soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.